0: This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of OPI Talk. I'm your host, Andy Braithwaite. And my guest today is Boris Ellisman, the CEO of ACO Brands. Now, ACO has just made a significant acquisition buying video games accessories manufacturer Power A in a deal that could be worth up to $400 million. And this is part of a strategy to transform Aco into a consumer products oriented supplier. So I wanted to ask Boris about how ACO views the office products channel, given the secular declines in many core categories and the challenges thrown up by the COVID-19 crisis. Okay, Boris, great to see you today. Thank you for joining us on, on OPI Talk. Hope you're well.
1: My pleasure, Andy. Great to be here and uh, great to, uh, to talk to you as well. Great to see you on the video.
0: Yeah. That's uh, a, a fact of life now, isn't it? Over the past few months, all these video calls and everything.
1: Absolutely. This is the world we live in.
0: <laughs> okay, great. So I, I reached out to you after the Power A acquisition which was announced recently so congratulations on that and I don't think many people saw that coming did they?
1: Hopefully not <laughs> I mean <laughs> we don't want people to see uh, our acquisitions uh, coming beforehand so hopefully you're right nobody has saw it coming and certainly from the positive response we received from our investors uh, the market has not seen it coming. Sure. By the response
0: was very positive. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I listened to the to the to the webcast that you that you ran just after the acquisition, and then I think uh, Neil Neil was involved in a, in another investor conference recently as well. But it certainly seems to have had a positive reaction, and it hasn't done your share price any harm in in the past few weeks either. That's
1: right. That's right. The the, the market sees this as a right strategic move for the company, to try to move to uh, faster growth areas and. Uh, has uh, rewarded, rewarded our share price appropriately, so
0: we're, we're very pleased. Right. Just quick I don't know if you can say anything about whether the transaction is still on track to close by the end of the year?
1: You know, that certainly is our expectation. That's what we said when we uh, announced the deal in uh, early November, and uh, uh, we haven't seen anything that will delay beyond the, uh, the 31st, so we, we're still hoping that we get the deal done in the next uh, three weeks.
0: Yeah, and I guess in terms of timing, you've got these two big console releases that uh, were made just weeks ago. There are some delays with shipments and a pent-up demand for those products. So that's, I guess, good news for you going into the new year. You've got that pent-up demand for for your new acquisition.
1: Yeah, we think that the the market forces uh, are giving us a little bit of a tailwind uh, for this. You know, with the with the shutdowns that we have in all over the world, more people are gaming, so that 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 market has done really well over the last eight to nine months. And then, to your point, uh, we have both Sony and Microsoft introducing new consoles uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, the demand has been really, really high for them, and that drives accessory sales, uh, both at the point of sale and aftermarket, and um, you know the products have been sporadically sold out, but you know I'm sure uh, over time they will uh, solve their availability issues, uh, which should continue to drive the demand for accessories. So you know, knock on wood, we're we're very optimistic.
0: Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, I've I've got a fairly good idea of the rationale behind this and some of the synergies, uh, you know, with Kensington, etc., and the move into the to this consumer consumer space. So I'll, I'll probably cover that uh, in. Somewhere else on OPI, perhaps in an article. But for today, for this, for this interview, I really, if we could, if we could concentrate on, I guess I don't know if you call it in-house the the legacy echo or the traditional categories and channels. How about the traditional, right? <laughs> the core,
1: the core business, the traditional business, right? Yeah,
0: I think they've been called kind of growth challenge channels or something something to that effect. Recently, I'm just wondering, you know, how, you know, how how do you view that market now? You know, it, it it's a big.
1: You know, if you're talking about from a channel standpoint, it's a big market. There's lots of players there, and it's not. You know, I don't think the uh, future is the same for every sub segment of that market. So there are nuances within that, and there's some of them that you know we think are very competitive and have uh, a bright future, and there's some of them we think they're they're more challenged. So you can't. You know, it, it depends. I guess the answer is
0: okay. Would it be fair to say that what you are seeing today is merely an acceleration of trends that were, were already there before COVID hit and then these have accelerated over the past few months?
1: We certainly think that the, the, the switch from brick and mortar to online is an acceleration of the trends that we have seen over several years now. You know, it's it probably fast-forwarded by three to five years, this, uh, this very rapid shift right. uh, from... Uh, Brick and mortar to online. You know, what's happening on the B2B side, we think is more of a one off, really driven by people working from home. Mm -hmm. Um, In many countries, employees are not going to offices, which is not driving demand for office supplies. We think that eventually, and hopefully that eventually is sooner rather than later, uh, people will go back to the offices. They will Mm -hmm. probably not go back with the same model that we had before, uh, that is, there'll probably be more, more hybrid and flexible arrangements with people work from the offices a few days a week and work from home. But that certainly will still drive significant demand uh, for, for office supplies. So we think right now it's more of a, more of a crisis for the, for the office channel. You, you really have to just uh, survive in the next, uh, in the next few months. Uh, but then, uh, but then we think it will get uh, certainly be uh, a lot easier. And and there, there's demand for dealers. There's demand for B two B commercial uh, resellers. We think that model is intact, mm. and hopefully it'll return to its its you know former pace uh, after we are through this health crisis.
0: Okay, if you if you dr- drill down a little bit more into those those customer groups, I think you've highlighted you know the challenges of the office supply superstore. Channel, for example, yeah. I think I think you called out the wholesalers as well in in the previous call. Yeah, I mean, how how do you view these customers, perhaps longer term, in terms of oh, putting right. putting resources into them, uh, uh, and uh, even just the products that you you, you want to sell to, to these people?
1: Sure, you know, so we think we think office superstore retail uh, is a very challenged channel. Uh, you know, they they're losing traffic to both online and they're losing traffic to mass merchants as well. Mm. So we think that, you know, longer term that that particular channel is going to shrink. And I'm talking specifically about US and Europe here, uh, where there are lots of other alternatives. I mean, if I look at an office superstore such as OfficeWorks in Australia, they've done phenomenally well and I and I think they have a very successful uh, successful business model. Yeah. But in US and uh, in Europe it's more it's, it's more challenging. Um, If I look at their commercial arms, I think they do have a a a promising future by servicing large companies and enterprise companies, and I think they can offer things that others can't. Independence, I think, uh, along the term, will be very successful, just like they have been in the past, because they service their local business better than anybody else. You know, their value proposition should be based or is based on service, um, and that's going to be difficult to replicate either by. OSS or by by e and, and wholesalers. I think you know from from our perspective, and, and uh, I want to be cognizant that I'm I'm not in that business, and you have very very smart people who run that business, so they they know better. But from our perspective, they have a a, a challenging business model right now, you know, which from our perspective makes them you know unsustainable if they they continue with that. It, it's just too too high of a cost uh, for the for the uh, services that valuable services they should offer. So we think that for that model to be more sustainable, their costs and the prices they charge their customers, which are the dealers, need need to be lower to allow our dealers to compete. I mean, the issue they have, the issue that exists in the market right now is the dealers can't compete with their competitors given the current structure of the wholesale business model. Mm. Uh, because the dealers have to compete against both superstores, and they have to compete against Amazon or other online uh, retailers, so they need to have ability to acquire products at a reasonable cost—not the lowest cost, uh, but a reasonable cost. Um, and today, that's difficult to do given the the wholesale structure we have in our industry.
0: Right. Interesting. So, um, yeah, what advice would you give to them, <laughs> aside from reducing their their costs? Is that the, is that the big the big thing? Yeah, you know, I think,
1: yeah, I think, I think, you know, if you look at, and again, I want to make sure this is, this is my view, and I I defer to them to obviously uh, uh, make this, but if you look at wholesale structures in different industry, and if you look at some more successful ones, you know, if you look at the technology uh, industry, you have very successful wholesalers with Ingram Micro, Tech Data, Cinex here in the US, uh, you know, West Coast in the UK, you know, it's a very successful channel. And you know they operate at 10% gross margin and single-digit expenses. Now I'm not saying that that's what the office channel, office uh, wholesalers need to be at, uh, but certainly uh, they have to be you know below 20 from a gross margin standpoint. Uh, and you know, and today you know they like to charge some of them charge 30 to 50% on office supplies as a as a as a markup, and that makes that makes the model unsustainable. And, and I think the reason is, is they've invested in a lot of capabilities that are really not valued by their customers. You know, same-day delivery, uh, marketing services, uh, drop ship to the end user, and all of those things can be fairly expensive to implement, but a lot of their dealers want to do their own thing. They just need, they need vendor consolidation, they need single shipment, and they need credit availability. Mm-hmm. Again, in my opinion, those are things that wholesale should be providing, and those other things are uh, kind of selective by nature and, and, and should be priced in into the, to the the base structure of the business.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Let, let's talk a little bit about the dealers, because again, you've called them out as a growing channel, taking share perhaps from some, some of the others. And then on, on, on the other side, they're, you know, the wholesaler that serves, or the wholesalers that serve these customers are perhaps a little bit challenged. So when you talk about the dealers, is that from a direct relationship perspective with them that you're doing well? Yes. I mean,
1: yeah. We think dealers in general are doing a great job servicing their verticals or their uh, local uh, customers. They have been taking share from some of these other players because of the level of service that they provide. Mm-hmm. And we think working directly with them is an important component for us you know we are channel agnostic we want to sell any which way that our consumers and customers want to buy and a lot of dealers want to buy directly from the manufacturer if they're willing to stock the product right we're not going to ship them single units but if they're willing to stock products especially when it comes to a and b uh, items you know given the discussion we just had about wholesale pricing uh, those dealers want to be able to to get the product at a more competitive price to, that allows them to compete better against their competitors.
0: Okay. So would it be fair to say that the, the ones that you are seeing as, as more successful are the larger stocking dealers?
1: Yes, I think that's a fair that's a fair assessment.
0: Okay. You know,
1: um, large versus small, you know, larger dealers have been successful, but I think it's, it's you know, there's a reason why they're larger. You know, there's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy there they're larger because they're more successful they also tend to be better managed they tend to be more professionally managed so i don't think size dictates who will be successful or won't be successful but larger dealers do tend to be more successful
0: okay just wanted to turn to you know, sort of how how you've been organizing yourselves internally i guess maybe some changes okay we, we heard about uh You made made some layoffs in in North America. Is is that is that just taking resources away from channels and categories that are declining?
1: You know, there's a few things to that. You know, one is you know we're not immune to the laws of supply and demand in this uh, pandemic, and the uh, resulting economic uh, recession has has hurt our business just like it has hurt most uh, product driven businesses. So in general, uh, we have to align our cost structure to lower revenue that we've had in 2020. Uh, So some of the uh, layoffs we have done were in reaction to that and to the fact that we expect uh, the recovery to take a bit of time. It's not going to be a V-shaped recovery. It will take some time. So we need to get our cost structures in line. And then within that, we have been reallocating resources from categories and channels that are in secular decline towards those that have faster growth.
0: Okay. I think I read on on a an investor presentation about de-emphasizing perhaps some of the, the slower growing or declining categories in terms of perhaps investments and maybe, maybe even R&D and that kind of thing and allocating those resources to the, to the growing channels. Is that what you're doing?
1: Yeah, I think that's correct. I think that's correct. And, you know, it, it, it's nuanced within that. If there's an opportunity to grow, if, you know, even some of our declining customers, there, if they want to consolidate their vendors to us, uh, then you know we 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 would invest in that, uh, but certainly if things just continue to decline, then we 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 do we are reducing skews, uh, we are uh, shifting investments, reducing R and D, all of the things that kind of make sense from a business standpoint to do mm. in a declining category. If you look at you know if you look at our business, you know something like 25 to 30 percent of our categories we would say are in secular decline. You know, these are categories yeah. mostly in the storage and organization space yeah. uh, that, you know, handle paper that's printed by office environments. Yeah. And uh, the, those are the categories that are mostly affected. Um, and those are the categories where we're being very careful about how much we invest in there.
0: Sure. Um, resellers are selling fewer of these products at the same time, and they're looking for other, other avenues to, to sell into and, and, and other, other products. So for example, you know, you know Kensington and, and TruSense, just a couple of the, the, the brands that you have there, which are kind of more on the technological cusp, if you like, and uh, perhaps I've got more mileage in them going forward. Exactly right. And
1: those are the areas where in investing in computer accessories, Wellness products such as TrueSense DIY tools uh, in Europe under Repeat brand, uh, uh, Derwent color pencils. Uh, we have a slew of work from home products that we're working on that we're investing in. Uh, dry erase boards are doing well. Shredders are doing well, yeah. and you know stapling and punches is is, is, is holding its own. Right. It's really yeah. it's really storage and organization binding that are more more challenging.
0: Yeah, I saw something from a UK dealer group recently challenging their, their dealers to sell more into the educational channel, for example, I, I get, I mean, you're very strong on that on that school side.
1: Great category for us. We sell lots of uh, notebooks for, for schools. So, you know we target kind of elementary through middle school because you know after that you' going you have more people going to iPads and, and Chromebooks. Uh, but you know where we sell it's a sweet spot and uh, it's a nice market and we think that need will be there. For, for a long time, you know, after we get out of this uh, lockdown situation and uh, remote schooling, you know, yeah. kids need to go to school.
0: Yeah. Your, your school sales, are they skewed more towards North America than, than Europe?
1: Yeah. School sales uh, in Europe are very small. Yeah, yeah very small. Yeah. Uh, where we generate most of our school uh, sales is North America, Brazil yeah. Yeah. and Australia. So, but but it's very small in Europe. Yeah. yeah.
0: So is is that something perhaps on the radar to 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 grow the school channel in Europe, or you're looking at other things? Oh, you know,
1: we we have a very broad net that we cast. Uh, we look at lots of things. So uh, you know, potentially that's an opportunity. But you know, there are other opportunities uh, around the technology or uh, consumer electronic uh, okay. space that we're continuing to look at. So you know. We don't think there's a shortage of opportunities. The uh, the uh, the challenge would be, you know, to make the right decision that works sure. both yeah. for, uh, for us strategically and financially. But uh, there's no shortage. Yeah, of I mean,
0: listening to Neil recently, so it seems like perhaps you know, a major acquisition might be kind of off the cards for the at least for the short term, following the the Power A acquisition. But it sounds like bolt-on opportunities, if and when they arise. Obviously, you w- you would look at those as you always have done.
1: I think that's right. The power acquisition is quite large. We need some time to, uh, to integrate it. We need some time to uh, uh, pay the debt down to more, uh, more acceptable levels. But small tuck-ins, you know, if they make sense, we have uh, the financial resources to do that.
0: Yeah. OK. One thing I wanted to, to talk about perhaps was the direct-to-consumer strategy. And that's a small part of your, your overall revenue at the moment. Where, where do you see that going?
1: Um, yeah, it's about 2% of our sales at the moment, but we think it is an important component of our strategy. As I, as I mentioned, the strategy is to be channel agnostic and uh, there are more and more consumers that want to buy directly from manufacturers, especially as we move towards more innovative, more value added products. We want to make sure that we can offer them to consumers right away mm. without without any delays. So taking our products directly to the consumer will be an important part of our growth. We don't believe it will ever be a big part of our business. You know, maybe it'll be uh, you know, 10% of our business at, at, at some point and also be selective by country. Selling direct to consumer is a very expensive proposition, both from a, a technology standpoint, a fulfillment standpoint and demand generation standpoint. So it needs to, uh, it needs to make sense business-wise but it is an important part of our growth strategy, and it's something that we are investing into uh, to make sure that we can uh, we can grow. Yeah, uh, make our products available to sure. consumers.
0: And you know, technology is a great enabler in in that kind of strategy, isn't it? Right. Okay. Just perhaps just to finish off, any any overall thoughts on on this year 2020? Certainly, been a an unusual year. That's probably an understatement. Uh, what are your sort of overall thoughts on on this year and what are you looking forward to in 2021?
1: Well, it, it, it's been a very, very challenging year, you know, in my business career of 30 years plus. It's, if not the most challenging year, it's one of the most challenging years, that's for sure, you know, as we face both the uh, health crisis of, of uh, incredible proportions as well as an economic uh, crisis. Uh, having said that, I'm very pleased with how we have done in this uh, very challenging environment. Uh, it was certainly not certain, you know, sitting here in December not not certain when we, when this whole thing started back in March, how it was all going to uh, progress. So I'm very pleased with how our teams all over the world have uh, reacted to this and, and managed this. and i'm and I'm very optimistic about the future in twenty twenty one and uh, you know, the fact that we announced the Power a acquisition is, I think, should be a, a signal to both the market as well as our own employees, how much confidence we have uh, in our strategy in our business. So 2020 is something
0: that over time I'd like to forget, but
1: the future certainly is bright and I, I hope for much better things in 21.
0: Okay, great. Yeah, we, we've been talking about, I think for the past two or three years, you know, this year was going to be a pivotal one for for our industry, if I can call it that, but uh, perhaps 2020 will be the one we can really call that pivotal year for the office products industry
1: i hope so i hope so i certainly you know when when you and i chat a year from now we're going to be talking about significant growth that's what i hope
0: let's hope so okay boys great thanks for your time today appreciate that and a very happy holiday season to you and your family
1: andy uh to you too and uh, to all your listeners thank you very much
0: thank you very much thank you for listening to opi talk Find us at opi.net for all the latest news and analysis from the business products world. You can download our app from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine.